Hello, disc golf fans, and welcome to the debut episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. I'm your co-host and the second best disc golfer on at least today's episode, Jared Orr. And he is the 2017 USDGC champion, the eighth highest ranked player in the world, and now the host of his very own podcast, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how you doing today, man? A lot better now. I mean, here we are. We're on the show. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. It's been a work in progress, and uh, you and I have kind of played around a little bit to, to get some chemistry going and make sure that we had our uh, our rigs and everything all set up, and I think we're sounding good, we're feeling good, and uh, and we're ready to get this out, and I think the fans are excited too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm for sure excited. I mean, I, I'm kind of a fan too at this point. I'm, I'm really excited to give this a try and, and give some people some stories, some information about discs, and just advice, answer some questions. It's going to be great. Yeah, I know people are really excited about it. Now, Nate, everybody knows who you are, and that's why everybody's tuning in. And uh, now, myself, this is not my first podcast with a professional athlete. Uh, I started podcasting four years ago. Uh, I had a show with a professional wrestler, former WWE superstar Al Snow. He owns his own company, OVW. They've trained guys like Brock Lesnar and John Cena. So not just wrestling superstars, but major superstars. And I had an opportunity to ride along with him and, and do some amazing shows. And from there, I transitioned into the baseball world and I worked with the larger than life uh, former Major League Baseball MVP Jose Canseco and had a, a wild ride doing a show with him and uh, my next show that I wanted to get lined up was uh, a professional athlete and I'm a huge fan and supporter of disc golf and uh, everybody knows how amazing you do on your commentary work and everything that you've done in your career so uh, I reached out to you and we had some discussions and kind of figured out what we could do and it made sense and and here we are man yeah, I'm, I'm honored, man. I'm, I'm happy that you reached out because I think it's going to be fun. It's podcasting has been something I've wanted to do for a while, but having somebody who knows the game like you do, it, it makes it a lot easier for me where I don't really have to figure out the logistics. I can just be here and, and tell stories and answer questions. Absolutely. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it now, Nate. We obviously are having a great time doing this, and you've had a pretty amazing week yourself. You had a, a Thanksgiving celebration with your wife and daughter there in Washington. The Beavers beat the Ducks. Uh, your podcast debuting. Uh, anything else big happen in Nate Stexon's life this week? Wow. Uh, no, no. Those those were the big three, I got to say. And it was great. I mean, I, I, who, who could ask for more? I mean, I got to debut on ESPN. I get a debut on this show. Beavers beating the Ducks. That was huge. So exciting. And yeah, Thanksgiving was great. My wife cooked some amazing food, had a day with the family. Uh, you know, it was it was different, obviously, for most of us, you know, just us at the house, but it was great. Yeah, it certainly was a uh, it was an interesting holiday, I think, all across the country. But everybody seemed like they had a good time. You watch social media and a lot of people got together through FaceTime and different things like that. So that was pretty cool. Nate, you were on ESPN this week, man. Disc Golf made its its debut to the big stage, and you and Big Germ were on the call. What was it like to be on ESPN? I'm still kind of processing that. It's crazy. I, I, I was thinking about it today, and I really think if you had come up to me even maybe as little as one year ago and said, hey, you're going to be on ESPN calling the action, and the women's winner is going to be getting 20 grand. And I would have probably said, yeah, no, no chance. You know, that's not our sport. I love our sport. I love all the athletes we have. 
that's not happening, not in one year, you know? So it's just, my hat is off to the disc golf pro tour uh, and to Jomez for the, the work that those guys have put in to, to raise the product and to gather the sponsors and to elevate the game. So they, they made it grow faster than I thought was possible. And I've been around a long time. So amazing. So honored to be able to be a part of that and uh, looking forward to more. I think the, the returns, early returns seem like they were really good. The ratings were good. The, the fans liked it. Saw some, uh, you know, like Bubba Watson and Rory McIlroy, you know, saying that they enjoyed the show. So that's pretty surreal. Uh, so I think I don't think it's going to be our last time. No, it's it. It definitely did great. And yeah, I think Bubba said he's going to stick to ball golf, right? Sure. Yeah. And he probably should. Yeah. That's, I mean, he's yeah. decent, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's done okay for himself playing yeah. that ball golf. <laughs> um, it was, it was amazing for disc golf and Hey, timing is everything because as we're working on the show and getting things set up, you know, there are some people I explained the show to and they're like professional disc golf. Like that's a thing. And uh, then to see it on ESPN and people are like, Hey, that disc golf was on ESPN. And I'm like, yeah, not just that, but my podcast partner was the one calling the action on it. So it, it was even cool for me to get to brag, not just about having a sport that I love on the national stage, but to, to see you on there and, you know, you and, and Jeremy just killing it like you guys always do it was just really awesome and the fans loved it and it really gave some credibility to the sport a sport that i don't think a lot of people realize how fast it's growing like you said a twenty thousand dollar prize for the women that's amazing it is i mean it broke all kinds of records i think all of the the top four women there at the end those were all top 10 all time uh, women's paydays. And, you know, and it was a record for the men too, not to leave them in the dust. I mean, 20,000 for the, for Kevin Jones on the men's side, Haley King on the women's side, that's a record for both divisions, but just an like astronomically high record for the women's game. So, I mean, really forward thinking stuff from the disc golf pro tour. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't say enough good things about what they're able to do for the professionals. Yeah, it's really huge. And, and to see it in the news, you know, obviously, I always like to, to scan the headlines and see what's big in disc golf, you know, what's the big news uh, headline, and it certainly wasn't hard to find this week. And, uh, and my hat goes off to you and congratulations to you and Jeremy and Jomez and the disc golf tour and, and all the athletes that were on there and had that opportunity to say, hey, I was on ESPN. And, uh, and that's really amazing for the sport. So uh, congratulations to all you guys. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to forget it. Anybody who was part of it, it was pretty fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, one of the other headlines that came up was the the game out in Japan for 2021 has been canceled. Um, they're going to push that off to 2022. Nate, was that a tour that you were going to play in? Yeah, I signed up for it. I mean, I, I was very skeptical with COVID, you know, but I was I didn't want to miss out on my spot. So yeah, I sent them, I sent them my three hundred dollars, however many yen that is. It was quite a lot of yen. Uh, and yeah, I sent that, to, I sent that over. It was pretty, uh, pretty confusing registration process. Cause you're like doing it through translated websites that are straight from Japanese. But, um, yeah, I, I went before, uh, in 2008, I had a fantastic time. Uh, and then, yeah, it hasn't really happened for a couple of years. So it was really exciting news. I actually got that news in Las Vegas this year that the Japan open was coming back. They made that announcement. So yeah, I signed up right away, but yeah, I assume uh, now I'm going to be getting a refund, but most likely I'll, I'll be there. And honestly, it might be a, a little silver lining for me personally, because I really wanted to take my wife and it turned out with her schedule, she wasn't going to be able to go in 2021. So maybe we get a little redo for 2022 and maybe I can bring her along. 
dude, how money is that that you get to parlay these work trips into like little vacations? It's great. Uh, we I took uh, my wife and uh, my daughter when she was about one year old. We went to Sweden and Finland and Czech Republic, and it was wonderful. Like for a, almost for about a month, and we're just kind of going around, running sixth and shootout events, meeting people, playing tournaments, um, eating good food, seeing great all the amazing sights of these super historic cities. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Yeah. And actually one of the fan questions that came in asked if you were going to play in that. And I figured that you were, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure with the schedule and, and having, having a three-year-old at home, Japan was going to happen for you, but it's a shame that you're going to miss out on that one, but let, let's get serious, dude. You're not getting a refund. They're going to send you the old, we'll just keep you till 2022. Your spot will be you know locked in and we'll, we'll keep your money on ice for you. Honestly, that'd be fine with me. The registration process was that tricky. I don't want to do it again. Now, Nate, one of the things that we talked about that we were going to be doing on this show was helping and having you give advice to guys that are just starting out or maybe guys have been playing for a long time. And one of the things that I found was the discs, the actual discs that I bought, I bought based on did they look cool or did they have a cool name? And I really didn't have any understanding on how it affected my game, if it was helping or hurting, if it was the right disc for the way that I play, or even understood what it did. So I asked you about doing a disc review each week and just kind of giving some tips and some notes on some of the more uh, uh, usable discs or some of the discs that you throw more out of your bag. And uh, that was something that you said you wanted to go ahead and do. So what else would we start with? Then the Sexton Firebird. Nate, tell us a little bit about this famous disc. Oh, man, I disc that changed my life it's it's a it's a great one and and just off the top right away i want to clarify to all the people out there a cool name and a cool looking disc will help at least a little they aren't gonna <laughs> they aren't gonna do the whole job for you but i'm not gonna discount those things confidence is key if that disc looks sweet and has a cool name a la the sexton firebird that that in itself is going to help but on to the actual disc um the firebird for me it's it's probably my number one driver it's a, it's a fairway driver, so it's a speed nine. If you're familiar with the flight ratings, that's going to be like kind of in the middle for drivers. So it's not super, super long. It is on the overstable side, so you can throw it into a headwind or you can throw it on a little Anheuser and have it kind of hook back for you. And as it beats up, it kind of becomes really straight, just like any disc would. But yeah, for me, it's just my ultimate control disc, my safety blanket that I always know that I can use anytime I'm inside about 350 feet. That's probably what I'm reaching for because I can throw it hard, let it get up to flat, and I never really have to worry about it doing anything but kind of finishing over mellow kind of the way I want it to go, whether it's backhand or forehand. It's my favorite disc. I mean, it's, it's no accident that, that it got my name on there because it was a disc that I requested that Innova make. They've done a fantastic job with it. And uh, I think a lot of people clearly have uh, also found it to be useful because uh, it's a really popular mo model, thankfully for me. I have never seen anything like the craziness over the Sexton Firebird on some of these auction pages on Facebook. The demand for it is so high. Is it the most popular disc? I mean, I know you probably don't want to toot your own horn, but of all of the discs, of all of the makes and models, is the Sexton Firebird the most sought after, do you think? I think it certainly is if you're talking about tours, just tour series, like discs that are endorsed by a professional. Um, I think right now it is that, it, or at least it's got the kind of the hottest collector market and the most kind of, um, and craziness around it. 
obviously I'm not an expert on everybody else's discs. So I'm, and also I'm, I'm sure I have some bias there, but I would say that, yes, I think it is probably the craziest one at the moment. And uh, it is at an all time high right now, as far as just how, how crazy people are going with trying to collect every last variant of every year and, and get the most complete uh, collection out there. So, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty cool. And uh, I, I just hope, you know, obviously COVID has been tricky for all of our disc manufacturers, but you know, I'm going to do it. We're going to do our best to get a, as many out there as we can in 2021 and, and make sure that nobody's out there wishing they could find one, but they can't get one for a, a fair price. Man, I can't believe what some of these, these sell for from, collectors that are selling out to other fans or the auctions that are going out there and it's it's got to be crazy for you to have your name on a disc and know that people want it so badly and realistically i'm going to take that thing and i'm going to throw it against trees all day in the woods Um, i'm not going to try to but that's going to end up happening Uh, are people hanging these things on their wall are they paying this price and they're going out and throwing them uh, I, I would say largely they're hanging them on their wall when they're paying the, the big, big dollars. But, you know, there's some people out there that are that are wanting to throw them. You know, I, I still throw their original ones. And obviously I got mine for free, but they're they're valuable now. But I like the way they feel and I like the way they fly. And I just always rationalize it with if I play well with it, I can I can make more money with it this way than if I were to sell it, you know, because it's uh, it can be a, a trusty disc for me and a tool that I can use on the course for years. So. Yeah, I would guess most of them are, are hanging them up and putting them in bags and, and just kind of doing the collector thing like uh, like a, you would with a baseball card or something. Now, anybody that's ever seen Champs versus Chumps and shout out to Ian and the guys at Central Coast. And we're going to have a whole episode on Champs versus Chumps because there's plenty of material there. Uh, but they see these the Chumps step up. They've got a Sexton Firebird in hand. It's almost always a, a perfect shot. It's like the disc does the work for you. Yeah, I mean, and even if it isn't, as the narrator, I'm gonna I'm gonna paint you in a good light if you make that decision. So you know, even if you hit that first tree, that's probably gonna be a a tee pad issue, uh, something outside your control. Because if you went with the Sexton Firebird, we know your head's in the right place. Absolutely. Now, the Sexton Firebird's available at Innova.com when you can get one. Uh, and of course, Innova carries all of the other discs that Nate throws because, as you know, Nate is sponsored by Innova. Now, Running It with Nate Sexton is sponsored by our friends at Fisher Disc Golf. Guys, check out Fisher Disc Golf's Facebook page. They have really made buying discs fun. They do something called their Disc Stacks Mystery Pools. Now, this gives you chances to win tons of premium collectible plastic and a bunch of other disc golf prizes. This streams live on Fisher Disc Golf's Facebook page every Tuesday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Guys, I've sat in on a few of these, and I've seen some amazing discs be given away. How it works is they set these stacks up on a table. You purchase a certain amount of pulls, however many that you want, and then you tell them which one you want. So I'll take A4, B6, and C11. And then they pull out the fourth disc from the first stack, the fifth disc from the second stack, the 11th disc from the third whatever it is that you've set up and you win those plastics. Now, a lot of these discs have what they call chasers on the back, meaning they flip that disc over and you've won yourself either an additional pull, an additional disc, uh, some sort of disc golf apparel. It's really an awesome way to purchase discs and disc golf apparel. They've made it a lot of fun. Make sure you check them out on Facebook on the Fisher disc golf page or 
go ahead and visit their website, fisherdiscgolf.com. They carry over 18 different brands of discs, baskets, bags, all the disc golf apparel, everything you need to get out there and play around. They've really done an amazing job. Make sure you check them out. Yeah. And in addition to obviously sponsoring our show, they also are tied in with the Ledgestone Insurance Open, which is one of the best tournaments we have on the tour. So they're a company that's kind of putting their their money where their mouth is and getting back into the game. And they also hooked us up with a discount code. So if you go to their website, fisherdiscgolf.com and use the code RUNIT10, you can get 10% off your first purchase. So thanks to those guys. Yeah. And it's great to have great companies partnered up with the show that we can offer a little bit of a discount for our listeners. Again, guys, that's code RUNIT10. 10. That's R-U-N-I-T, the number 10, will save you 10% off at fisherdiscgolf.com. And we thank them for sponsoring this show. Make sure you check them out. All right, Nate. Now, today's topic, we're going to talk about the 2020 season. And unfortunately, 2020 has been a crazy year. And uh, you can get an opportunity to play in a lot of tournaments. But you started out with a bang. Uh, You played out in Las Vegas at the end of February. You took first place there. And then things kind of took a change for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, for the whole tour, for a little while there after that, you know, everything got shut down, all PDGA sanctioning when when COVID had first kind of uh, started to spike in the United States. But yeah, um, definitely started with a bang. Uh, best start I had ever had. Uh, probably the third biggest win of my whole career that's been, you know, 15 years now, at least in the in the professional ranks. So yeah, that was amazing to come out and, and be able to perform that well on, on a big stage and, and get a big win, especially uh, cool to be a, a, one of Innova's flagship tournaments. So all the guys that I know and you know all the Innova guys are there. So it's kind of more fun to celebrate a win in that environment uh, when, when, it, when you know a lot of the people are pulling for you and they, and they want a, somebody they know, an Innova guy to take it down. So that was cool. But yeah, uh, I think on the whole, I would say 2020 disc golf season, like not me specifically, but it went better than I expected it to in light of COVID because I think they did do a, a really good job keeping things going when they could and uh, bending over backwards to try to keep the players safe and, and do whatever they can with the regulations and making sure that people were keeping masks on and, and disinfecting when, when they could. And, uh, you know, as far as I know, there weren't any positives. So, you know, fantastic. I, I was I was much more skeptical. I thought the whole thing was was going to fall apart and it, clearly it didn't. So, you know, that's great. Yeah. It wasn't looking good for a while there. I thought there was going to be no season at all. So the fact that they were able to get one in and figure it out, um, obviously it had a much different look than we're used to, but uh, just to be able to see it and, and watch it and some great things happening in the season. Now you took first place in Las Vegas. It was obviously you were playing great out there in end of a tournament. So uh, to be able to win for the, for the team, I'm sure was big when you're playing in a tournament like that. And, and you know, you've got something going, and are you paying attention to what other players are are shooting or are you just playing your game and it doesn't matter like somebody coming up hot behind you can that change the way that you're playing sure but but not not for me it wouldn't change anything until like the final day and maybe even like the last nine holes of the final day so before that um i'm not likely to make any changes i'm just going to you know, try to focus in and keep pace with somebody up there in my group and they're shooting amazing. I just try to, you know, use that for motivation and try to go toe to toe with them and do the best I can. But uh, I'm not somebody who brings my phone with me uh, while I'm playing. So I don't, I don't have any idea if somebody else is playing well on a different card. 
obviously coming down the stretch, you know, I'll go to my caddy or somebody else and say, Hey, can you show me the scores? Because we got five holes left and I don't want to be ignorant of uh, something that could change my strategy down the stretch late. But for in large part, you know, for 90% of the tournament, I'm just going to try to get as many birdies as I can and uh, avoid bogeys and just play the best I can. So yeah, when you're in the hunt like that, it doesn't really, it doesn't really affect me too much how somebody else is doing other than just kind of motivating me to, you know, lay it all out there, I guess. Well, you certainly did that and you walked away with first place and you got one more uh, tournament in at the end of February, you went out to the Memorial. Um, you said, you know, yourself that you didn't play great, but you had a lot of fun. Uh, what happened at the Memorial that did, what was off on your game that, that tour? Man, I don't even remember specifically what I was doing wrong. I just felt like, you know, I think a little bit I, in my career, I've had this a couple of times, like after I won the USDGC, the following week, I played pretty poorly. And that, and this again happened where sometimes I think you can just kind of have a little hangover from like, you know, wow, that was so amazing. And you put so much mental energy into uh, playing, you know, right down to the end and you're, it's super taxing, like even physically and, and emotionally when you're, when you're in a battle like that, you know, for a big tournament. And um, so for me, who's, you know, a great player, but I'm not like in that battle every single week, like maybe a McMahon or Macbeth or, or Wysocki, you know, so it, for them, I think it's a, you start to get used to it, you know, if you're doing it every single week, but for me, it's a little bit more rare when I'm, when I'm playing at a level where I can be there with a chance to win right at the end. I mean, I'm pretty solid in the top 10 usually, but there's usually a couple strokes up there still to get, to get up in the top three. So I, I would I would like to try to blame it on that, but who knows? You know, it's just some some weeks you have it and some weeks you don't. Sometimes after you get a big win, you kind of start feeling like well, I don't know if I'll ever lose again. That was amazing. I'm a changed I'm a changed player, and then you go out and hit a tree, and you're like, oh no, <laughs> same I'm the same old guy. I just played good last week. Same guy. That's right. Now you don't play in a tournament again until the end of July. Obviously, COVID was a, a huge factor in your home. What kept you home off the tour for, for all those months? Yeah, well, it, it comes down to a couple things. Chiefly, it's kind of a logistics problem because my wife uh, is a second year family medicine resident. Her hours are crazy. Uh, our daughter is three years old. We pulled her out of daycare. Uh, the daycare closed for a long time due to COVID. Then it reopened and we had her back for a bit. But then we just weren't weren't sleeping too easy at night just thinking about how many people, how quickly that web of people and exposure spreads when you have 20 kids in one room or whatever, you know, and then you think about all their families and you have to trust how they're acting and where they're going and when they're wearing their masks. And it just started to weigh on us to have her there. It didn't feel like a safe thing. So we pulled her out of that environment. So then it, you know, it's my uh, duty at that point. I, I'm pretty much a stay at home dad. So that coupled with the fact that, uh, you know, because of my family situation, I'm only flying to tournaments these days. I'm not having an RV anymore. And that felt more risky. You know, air travel was down to like 5% of normal levels or something, because that just didn't seem like a safe thing to do. I can kind of understand driving around in your own car and kind of controlling your environment a little bit more, but going through airport and airport security and flying and all that is, is a pretty big thing. And uh, it didn't feel like a prudent thing to do at that time. And the other thing that I think uh, people maybe don't think about is with my wife's line of work, I sort of see myself as sort of a high risk individual to be around because my wife is going to the hospital most days and there's certainly COVID positive people there. So I didn't want to 
be showing up to tournaments in an irresponsible way. And, and maybe I'm the one who brings COVID to the tour, you know? So those were kind of the three, the three things that, that influenced my decision-making. Yeah. Well, obviously you have to do what you have to do. And you're certainly a, a father first. Once that child's born, that's certainly the thing that, that takes over. So you, you took a few months and you, you did what you had to do as we all did through COVID and you started playing some, some tours locally out there in the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, and you, you played pretty well, huh? You went out and played at the, uh, the goondocks open. You, you finished first there. Was that just a chance for you to get out and just play again in the competitive, in a competitive match? Yeah, that was actually a doubles tournament. And the, the only reason I did it is because my good friend and my actually who my roommate who lives in our downstairs guest room now that nobody can visit us anymore. So we didn't need our guest room. So we we welcomed our good friend Chandler Fry into our home. And uh, he just uh, he just told me, hey, the tournament director of this tournament said I could have a free entry. So you want to play? And I said, sure. So, you know, that was driving distance from my house. So obviously no airplanes involved could stay in our own car. We wore our masks most of the time. And and uh, yeah, we're on a doubles team together and we already live in the same house. So exposure to each other is no big deal. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was fun. We just went down there and, and got a chance to to play some golf at a course that I've played a lot of times over the years and felt good to be out there and, and playing again. Actually, one of those days was 100 degrees. So that was a memorable thing. It was very hot for Oregon. Yeah, that uh, that is pretty hot. Now, was that at Milo MacGyver? It was at Timber Park, which is kind of close to Milo MacGyver. It's not quite the the same uh, quality, of course, but it's a nice course. It's in the same town kind of area, Estacada. Uh, and yeah, it's fun. They had some uh, like extra holes and stuff and uh, a couple little gimmicks. It was kind of like a Goonies themed event, you know, with that movie being uh, filmed in Oregon. We had a good time. Awesome. And then you, you played in three more tournaments, uh, just in all like right there in Washington and Oregon. You had a first place finish or excuse me, a second place finish, a first place finish and a fourth place finish. It must have just been nice to be able to get out there and compete and be able to be local. Is that what, what gets you into those those tournaments? Yeah, for sure. And just wanting to do right by my sponsors. You know, if I have an opportunity to get my name out there and play and, and make some impressions on fans and keep my game sharp, that's what I feel like my job is. So. I was already feeling kind of guilty for, you know, not guilty exactly, but just kind of like, man, everybody's still out there. You know, the other good players are still out there playing and just the situation I'm in, it wasn't possible. So I, you know, I love to play first and foremost. So I was jonesing to get out there and compete. And, uh, and yeah, I just, I want to, you know, I want to do my job when I'm able to. So that was, that was uh, fun to be able to at least have the chance to play a little bit. Now, I went out and played 36 holes today. I had an opportunity to play at two different courses here in Western New York. And to be able to do that in late November is a blessing all on its own. Um, my body will, will not thank me tomorrow for it. A lot of hiking, a lot of chasing discs, but had a great time doing it. Do you still get out and play for fun? Or is every time you get out on a course, are you at work? Definitely not. It's mostly fun. I'd say it's, it's majority fun, even still. It's a, that's the, the crazy situation that I find myself in that I, that that became my career. It's just a, such a fortunate and amazing uh, life path. that was kind of an accident and just, you know, turned into an amazing thing for me. But yeah, I would say generally, if I'm going out to play, I'm playing with a couple friends and we pl we'll play for like $5. You know, we're definitely not trying to be high rollers or anything. We're, we're just having fun and talking trash and, and playing good courses. So 
I would say majority fun always. And uh, yeah, before a big event or something, I'm going to fly out of town, then for sure that I might be going to go uh, throw in a field a little bit. And that doesn't, that's still, I wouldn't say it still feels weird to say that feels like work. I wouldn't say it feels like work, um, but it's a little bit more focused. It's more of a, like a, a serious practice session than, uh, than just kind of like staying sharp and, and having that little bit of competition to keep you uh, sharp that way, you know, competitively, but then also technically. Uh, two different things. No, yeah, I, I can see that. And like I said, it's I joke around and say that I'm out there putting in work when we're on the course, but that's just because, you know, I, I for 36 holes I probably threw 320 <laughs> today. So it was uh it was it was a tough day, a lot of mud. Um I'm surprised nobody fell trying to trying to tee out and we should have left when it started raining, but you know, to the worst day of disc golf still better than the best day of work. So uh we had a we had a lot of fun out there playing. Now did you have an opportunity to watch a lot of the tour? Because it was kind of a funny season. There wasn't really anybody winning uh, tournament after tournament. Kind of everybody was getting a taste each week. Did you have an opportunity to sit back and watch it? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a, a, I'm definitely tuning in. Not like I'm not necessarily sitting down and watching live or even like watching the Jomez, but I'm definitely on UDisc and uh, keeping up live with what's going on because it's, you know, a lot of friends out there. And also I'm just curious to see who's, who's playing well, but I thought it was a really compelling season for that reason, you know, that you had a quite a few guys playing at that top, top level. You have like Calvin and Eagle and Kevin and Paul and Ricky all kind of week in and week out. Um, and other guys too. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of names, but those are the first five that come to mind. Chris Dickerson as well is, is one of those guys, but guys are just playing fantastic and, and it's just exciting to not to know that everyone's uh, in the hunt late on the last day and, and nobody's given an inch. It's cool. Cool to watch. That's that's when disc golf said its best. Yeah, there was some great tournaments this year and it was great to see kind of all of those guys trading back and forth, but yet all in the hunt, just like you said. Uh, now, listen this is your podcast. So we've got to be straight up with our listeners. I want you to be honest here. You got any heat with Yuli since he kind of slid into your spot while you were at home taking care of the kid now that, you know, him, him and germ, is there a little jealousy when you're, when you're watching that then? No, no, I, I, <laughs> just... I think, you know, I needed, I needed somebody to get in there. I'd say the only thing that kind of irks me is I, I'll, I, I feel like now that I did get to come back on CBS and ESPN with germ, and then I see these comments online sometimes like, man, I just miss Yuli and Germ. And that's fine. Like, I don't mind if somebody likes them better. But I, but the thing that bugs me is like the pace of the edit that they give us for CBS and ESPN and the, the, what they ask of us to be like welcoming to a brand new audience and somebody's grandma is that we just don't have any time to joke around. And then I feel like people are like, oh man, Sexton never says anything funny. And I'm like, dude, go back a couple of years, watch some of those old Jomez videos. You're going to see why Big Sexy got where we got. Because we like to joke around too, but the, the stuff I've done lately, it just doesn't, we just don't have an opportunity, Jeremy and I. As much as we like to do commentary that way, this is a different audience. It's a different animal. And the, the pace of everything is different in that they don't like show a 100 foot approach where you can kind of just talk over it and you're like of course he's going to park it and he's going to tap out and we can talk about something else and make a joke about whatever we're talking about so that'd be that'd be my one thing but that's a selfish thing you know that's just me going hey i'm funny too hey you know i i, I love yuli and and i hope we i'm sure we're going to keep him involved I'm, i mean it's obviously i'm not even when i do come back i'm not going to be playing every tournament so there's definitely going to be plenty of uh 
of uh, Big Yuli. What are they? Is that, no, Big Barry. That's what they call it, Big Barry. Yeah, yeah, I get it, but you know, it's it's always going to be big, sexy. Now, listen, not taking anything away from Yuli, I think he did a great job in your absence, and he's a he's a phenomenal golfer, and I love watching him. But you know. I'm biased, so uh, you know, I, I think I think you do a little bit of a better job. But you know what? Let's just say you do a different job. I don't want to yeah, say that's better fine. job, right? That's fine. You, you you do a different job, and there's just nothing like that chemistry between you and Big Germ. Uh, at least not yet. We're only one episode in. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was really an, an awesome season to be able to watch. And a lot of the comments online and, and what a lot of people said was that they missed having you out there. And I'm sure that's got to be good to hear. And uh, hopefully with some of the things that are going on and some of the steps that are being taken, we'll be able to see you get out there and, and play a lot more in the upcoming season. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're talking, you know, my wife told me that they're talking about uh, vaccines in December for uh, for um, healthcare workers. So that's great news. I feel like, you know, once that starts going, if uh, if we can get a good number of people vaccinated, maybe we can be done with this whole chapter in our lives. And wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that would be amazing. And I know my parents are actually in Oregon right now in Lincoln City. Quick little shout out to my dad. I know he's he's going to be like our number one fan. Um, so he's uh, and I haven't had, been able to see him since all of this has happened. He's he's high risk, obviously, with his age and some health conditions that he has. Nothing serious, but all stuff that they don't want you to have and, and be around COVID. So he's basically said, yeah, don't don't visit me and I won't visit you and we'll wait for vaccines. So, um, you know, I know him and, and my stepmom are chomping at the bit to be able to see the grandkids and uh, i hope that vaccine does does get going so we can kind of get back on the on the path of normalcy and and get to see you out there a lot more in 2020 yeah man i think i think it'll happen well 2021 is going to be better i just know it yeah absolutely so one of the things that's going to be a huge part of this show is we want fans to interact uh we want fans to ask questions we want fans to suggest topics if you guys want to hear something and and have nate talk about it go ahead and reach out to us we've got the facebook page up and running running it with nate sexton uh, nate's on instagram at frisbee nate so you guys can check us out there we're also at gmail it's running it podcast at gmail.com so questions comments topics you want to hear about you go ahead and feel free to uh to shoot us a message and we'll get it in there and we got some fan questions for this first episode nate you ready to take a few questions hit me all right now, what i should say what i should say there is let's run it oh what i mean dumb. come on right that's that sounds cool that's a t-shirt jarrett let's run it now, I'm going to butcher this last name here, but Chris Malkarski uh, had a bunch of questions. It's a lot to unwrap, but one of the things that I think is, is really neat right off the bat, he said he'd like to ask how Nate's keeping his competitive edge and mindset over the last season and how he plans on making the most of next season. I think that competitive mindset, that's that's something that's tough to keep, man. So what are you doing for that? I would say I'm not keeping it. Uh, that might surprise people, but there's not a lot of utility to me being at, on top of my A game right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not right now. I'll train and I'll get there uh, when I need to get there. But I'm not, like, pushing to be the very best disc golfer I could possibly be in the middle of COVID in the middle of winter because there's no one for me to play against. And there's no – that's just, like, it's it's mentally hard to be that good at it for me you know to like you i can get there and then i like 
like to have my off season, you know, and this was a weird, like endless off season. So I wouldn't say that I feel like incredibly sharp at the moment, but that doesn't really scare me that bad because I know, uh, you know, I've, I've put my 10,000 hours in, I've been playing for years and years and years. And, uh, when, when it starts ramping up and I'm going to be able to get out there again, then I'll be playing a lot and putting in the practice time and, and getting where I need to be. But I guess to be totally honest, I am not keeping my competitive edge, uh, during quarantine. Well, that total honesty is exactly what we're looking for. So thanks for giving it to us. Yeah, this is perfect time. Perfect time to try to come play me for for something, man. This is this is the best chance you're ever going to have to beat me, whoever you are out there. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you just said that. Your inbox is going to explode. Um, <laughs> again, guys, like I said, he's at Frisbee Nate. You don't need no challenges to the show podcast uh, emails. <laughs> He goes on to ask about Jomez. I think we talked about that a little bit here, but this was this was really neat. He said he just want to say that Nate and Germ were my introduction to disc golf in 2019 and inspired me to get out and try it this year. I've lost a bunch of weight and I wanted to give my appreciation. Good luck in 2021 and hopefully we'll be allowed to join as spectators. Cool. That's awesome. Wait, well, I've heard so many stories like that and it's it's amazing. It's surreal to hear that people um, we're inspired by, by what we do and, and get to share the joy of disc golf with us. So awesome. Yeah, no, I, I think it's awesome. And I think so many of us, you know, have watched you and, and heard your commentary and we all hope someday to, to be that chump that gets the, the Nate Sexton dig. And, uh, <laughs> and like I said, we're certainly going to talk a lot about, uh, about champs versus chumps, um, coming up because I think there's just too much to, too much to get into. It's, it's a full episode all on its own. Now, I've got another fan question here. Uh, this is from Anthony D'Amico in West Seneca. He says, Nate, I don't have any aces of my own, and I've been playing for years. When in the game did you get your first ace, and how many do you have for your career? Well, you're not going to like this, but I've lost count. It's been a, a, it, the, the aces have been good to me. I, I would guess roughly a hundred, but I've been saying that for a couple of years now. So it might be 120. I don't know. I really have no idea. Uh, my first ace, I do remember, uh, it was 2001 and I started playing in 2000. So it, it came fairly quickly. Uh, it was a whole 15 at my home course. It was a 317 foot forehand with a first run DX Valkyrie. And I would have wow. been in high school at the time. And yeah, I remember going crazy. We were just being there with my buddy, Kevin, high school buddy. And yeah, just letting that thing go and acing. And yeah, that thing hung on the wall in my bedroom for years. Well, you know what they say, Nate, you never forget your first. So, so I think that's true. I think that's true. And I think for this guy who asked the question, it's it's coming his way. Hope he'll, you'll get there. You'll get the ace. Yeah, I don't think so. Um <laughs> we got another one here nate what do you think is the next target that the sport or pdga should take for the sport to keep advancing and growing things that come to mind being an amateur and supporter of the pro circuit are sustainability for pros and supporting women in the sport this comes from richard clark off of facebook yeah i mean that's a big question and it's it's extra hard to answer right now because I feel like in light of this whole ESPN thing and this equitable payout for the men and women, it feels like, man, we're checking boxes right now. So as far as a next step, you know, I think we got to, COVID has been a crazy grow, growth spurt for the sport, weirdly, 
you know, because people, it is quasi socially distanced. It's a, something that's cheap to get into, cheap to play. Uh, and, and anybody can do it. You know, you don't have to be like some super athlete to get around 18 holes. You can get out there and play and have fun and progress uh, really no matter where you are in your life. If you can walk a couple miles, you can do it. So I think uh, a big thing will be making sure that we can kind of bridge those players into the, the competitive scene, you know, and I think a lot of that will happen naturally for some of them. And even for the ones that don't just to help them find, uh, you know, either professional disc golf or their local leagues or whatever to keep them to have them be retained and be lifetime players, even when all these quarantines are lifted and they can go back to playing in their soccer leagues or whatever else we want to find a way to keep all those players uh, playing disc golf. I don't know exactly how to do that, but I think that that uh, will be important because I think we've added just, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands probably of new players in, in this last year. Ah, like a, the fastest growing professional sport right now. It's it's amazing the viewers and and the amount of people that are out there playing it. Uh, let's do one more here, and this is one that I really think is a, a cool question. This comes from Adam Scott Howard off of Facebook. Nate, what is one course in disc golf you would choose if it was the only course you could play for the rest of your life, and why? I I know this answer already. I've been asked this, and for me. It's a course called Whistler's Bend in outside Roseburg, Oregon. And that isn't necessarily because it's like the greatest competitive course I've ever played. There's never really been a big tournament there. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but it's probably the most beautiful course I've played. It's probably the course that I've played more tournaments at than any other course in my life. And it's a place that when you go there, everybody camps out. And I got all these memories with my family and friends. And the whole course is on this little circle of land that's surrounded by the North Umpqua River and it comes in on the, like on either side of this really tall skinny spine so it's like effectively an island and it's it's like this perfect river for like jumping on an inner tube and you get in on the one side and you float around the whole course and then when you get out the walk to do it again is shorter than the float so it's like you know it's like this nature's amusement park ride where you can go on like a 20 30 minute float and then do like a 10 minute walk and do the whole thing again because you you go to that skinny part. So it's it's just an incredible place and yeah if I if I could only ever play one place or if I have just like a weekend to go somewhere and just kick back that's probably the place I would choose cuz so many great memories playing doubles there with my brother, playing doubles there with my dad, my first professional win was there in singles. Um yeah just a, just a, a place I'll never forget and a place I always uh, look forward to going back to. Well, there it is. That's an awesome answer. Now you had mentioned your brother. Um, there's some other brothers that play in disc golf and do some things out there. How do you and your brother fare ratings wise? I haven't heard of any other brothers who play. I don't know. Yeah. We, we always <laughs> joke, uh, you know, technically, technically we are the, the highest rated brothers in the history of the universe as we know it. Uh, my brother's name is Colin. He uh, just had his birthday a couple days ago. So happy birthday to him. Um, happy birthday, Colin. Yeah. And he's a good player. He's, I think his, his rating has peaked in the neighborhood of like 10, 15. He's a full-time, well, actually he's part-time working now, but he's a chemical engineer. Uh, so he's not like a uh, career disc golfer or anything, but he's a very skilled player. So uh, yeah, our ratings put together, I think have uh, gone as high as maybe like 2057 or something like that uh, for, yeah. for the two player ratings together. So that's, no one's ever been higher. Probably no one ever will. I don't know, but uh, it's always a fun little talking point to pretend like, you know, it probably never happened, but just getting all the, the siblings together and having a big uh, doubles tournament. It's always some good, uh, 
fodder for like uh, the fans to argue about and for me to talk trash about because, you know, all we really have to go on is the ratings and it's pretty clear who would win if we look at that. You look at the ratings. Yeah, no, I, that would be an amazing thing. And, and who knows with COVID, um, you know, hopefully getting cleared up. That's something that could certainly have happened. And it's just sex and firebirds hitting cages all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Well, that's uh, that's going to do it for some fan questions, guys. Again, you can reach us on the Facebook page, Running It With Nate Sexton, uh, runningitpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow Nate on Instagram at frisbeenate. Now, each week what the fans can kind of expect from us is we're going to do a new disc review. You're going to talk a little bit about a disc like you did today with the Sexton Firebird. Um, we might even have some special guests, some of your friends from the, co- from the tour come on and talk. Uh, I think that'd be pretty neat, don't you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll work some of them in for sure. Um, and we're gonna talk about your career, man. We're gonna talk about you uh, coming up from an amateur all the way up to the pros and everything in between. In fact, I haven't even told you this. On the next episode, we're gonna be talking about Nate Sexton's amateur career. And man, I've done some research and I've dug up some things um, from some tours that you've played and some some things that I found. So I think talking about your amateur career and how you transitioned into a pro, um, there's certainly more amateurs listening to this podcast than there are pros. So I think that that's gonna be a neat story. And I imagine you've got some pretty some pretty cool stories to tell about that, huh? Yeah, and, and the hairstyles too, the hairstyles. <laughs> Absolutely, the hairstyles. Uh, Again, guys, you know where to reach us. Questions, comments, concerns, uh, go ahead and subscribe to this. If you think we earned five stars, go ahead and click it. If you don't, click it anyway. We're going to get there. All right, Nate, for a debut episode, I think we had an awesome show here. Again, special shout out to Fisher Disc Golf. Guys, visit FisherDiscGolf.com. Use code RUNIT10 and save 10% off your first purchase. We thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, when everyone else is laying it up. We're running it, baby. We'll see you guys next time.